Hello, this is Pastor Jim Cleveland. Thank you for tuning in to Mule Mountain Messages, uplifting biblical sermons from the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. In today's message, we are back in Genesis as we look at Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 26. May God speak to you through His Word this day, and may we as the body of Christ go forth in compassionate boldness to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so there was an explorer who went to an African village, or village somewhere, and they practiced cannibalism. And he saw the following sign in a grocery store. It says they had a sale on brains. Farmers were a dollar a pound, hunters two dollars, teachers three dollars, doctors four dollars, fishermen five dollars, and so on. But it said politicians, it was a hundred dollars a pound for their brains. And he says, why so much for politicians' brains, the explorer asked the storekeeper. Oh, sir, came the answer. If you knew how many politicians we had to catch to get a pound of brains, you wouldn't ask that question. <laughs> and then, you know, how many of you in baseball, how many of you heard of Joe Garagiola? You know, the catcher for, and then Yogi Berra, anybody ever heard of him? Okay. So there's a one, uh, Joe Garagiola was stepped up to the plate when it came turn for him to bat. And before assuming his stance, he was a fervent Catholic, so he took the, his bat and made a sign of the cross in the dirt in front of home plate. Now, catcher Yogi Berra, also a Catholic, walked out and he, he raised Joe's cross. And turning to the astonished Garagiola, Yogi Berra smiled and said, Let's get let's uh, let's let God watch this inning. Okay, so anyway. Well, we are turning back and going back into our journey through the book of Genesis. And uh, it's been a long time now. I don't even know when we started, but there's a lot of great stuff in Genesis. And Genesis, of course, is the book of beginnings. The book of the Bible that explains where we came from. And really how we've gotten to where we are today, separated from God by our sin. But it also details God's implementation of his plan to redeem mankind from the curse of sin. And it starts that we can have that hope of reconciliation with God by the power and the work of Jesus Christ. Now where we left off, we left off with a marriage. We left off with a marriage of Isaac. Abraham and Sarah's son of the promise to Rebekah. Beautiful Rebekah, part of Abraham's clan. But before we begin the chapter with Isaac and Rebekah, we have to close out the chapter on the life of Abraham. See, Abraham lived several more years after the death of Sarah. In fact, Abraham was 140 years old when Isaac married Rebekah. And somewhere along the line, Abraham decided to marry again. Now, maybe it was that he was lonely because really Abraham or Isaac and Rebekah had moved south to this area called Lahai Roy. 
And uh, so he saw how happy they were and maybe he decided he just wanted that again. We don't know exactly why the reasons, but we do know that he got married again and scripture tells us that he married a young lady named Keturah. Now in the scheme of things, she wasn't the same stature of wife as Sarah, more along the lines of the second wife, like Hagar, a concubine maybe. But we do know that after the miracle, I guess, and the regeneration of Abraham's body at the age of 100, so he could have Isaac, um, his body was almost like rejuvenated to a younger age. So he was able to have even more children. And so he had six more sons by Keturah. And Bible tells us that at, before his death, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but he took care of and gave gifts to his other sons, and he sent them away from Isaac. Now he had learned. Uh, you remember if we think back with Ishmael and you think of the conflict that was there and the rivalry that was there, he wanted to make sure that none of that happened. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew that it was Isaac's position as the son of the promise to be the son in which the line and the promise would be fulfilled. But he did love his other sons. He took care of them and he sent them away. And actually they became uh, the many nations. You know, um, the Bible told Abraham, right? He'd be the father of many nations. And they went out and they started their own tribes and, and so forth. So Abraham then, he does eventually die, right? At, at the age of 175. And he lived a life that really should be an encouragement to us all. Abraham was chosen by God and he stepped out in faith in obedience to God. But he messed up too, didn't he? Right? He, he made mistakes. He screwed up. He had lapses of faith. He put himself before God at times. And, and at times he didn't treat Sarah very well. He was like, yeah, you're my sister. Okay, go live with the Pharaoh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. And so, uh, you know, but when confronted with his sins, what did he do? When confronted with his failures, he repented and he turned back to God. And in that, he's an example for us all because we all sin. We all mess up. We all do things that we wish we wouldn't do. We're not perfect. But if we have an obedient heart, if we have a heart that wants to turn back to God, God can use us in spite of our failures, in spite of our uh, imperfections. You know, we're going to mess up, but if we mess up, we need to own up before God. Ask Him for forgiveness and turn away from that sin. Then God can use us to fulfill His purposes, just like He did with Abraham. Now, after this narrative and after Abraham's death, we're given a brief update on the lineage of Ishmael. And it's interesting that this little brief picture into Ishmael really confirms a prophecy that was prophesied back in Genesis 17 that said he would be the father of 12 nations. And he had 12 sons who became 12 princes. 
And it started that whole line. And between the other sons of Abraham and Ishmael's sons, they really are, if you could trace it back, they are the, the um, forefathers of the Arab peoples, of the Arab nations. See, when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it, right? So when there's a prophecy that is prophesied in the Bible, we can count on it being done because we have records of it being done and done and done and done over and over again in the Word. So if God says he's going to come back, if Jesus says he's going to come back, he's going to come back. We just got to be ready. So now we continue on to our story here with Rebecca and Isaac. And so they're married. They're trying to have children. But what they're learning is that God moves at his own pace, doesn't he? You know, we, uh, we live in an age, and it's not any different really with them back then. You know, I imagine... Rebecca and Isaac, Isaac and Rebecca, they knew the prophecy. They knew that they said Abraham's descendants would be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea. And, and so I imagine they figured, hey, we're going to be, you know, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of children. You know, we're going to be right away. We're going to have babies. And yet the Bible tells us that Rebecca was unable initially to have children. And I'm sure they're perplexed. It's like, we got to get started. You know, we got to get going. But the Bible says that Isaac pleaded to the Lord on behalf of Rebekah. He went to God in prayer and interceded for his wife and for himself that they might have a child. And I think that's perhaps maybe what God wanted them to do and understand. They wanted... I think God wanted them to understand that he was the one that's going to fulfill the promise. That it wasn't them, that the promise wasn't going to be dependent upon them, but it's going to be dependent upon God. And after they humbled themselves and after they came before God, then God blessed Rebekah with a pregnancy. It was God's promise to fulfill. And it's the same today with us, right? You know, it's God who works in our lives. We don't do it ourselves. You know, he, we are a conduit for him. We are the instrument for him. But it's God who holds the key. It's God who, who works the work. And he wants us to depend on him. Now, why does he want that? Is God on some big ego trip and all that? No, of course not. He does that because he loves us. And he understands that if we totally depend on him, life is so much easier for us. If we just give our lives to him, then we can have that assurance and that peace that even no matter what's going on, we know that God's in control. We don't have to have that anxiety. What does scripture tell us? Don't be anxious, but to give thanks in all things. So after coming before God, Rebecca becomes pregnant. But I feel sorry for it. It's not just some normal pregnancy. The twins in her womb were putting up 
quite a ruckus. The Bible says they were wrestling. Of course, the redneck Bible says that they was a wrestling. But anyway, there's no such thing as that, by the way. But anyway, but poor Rebecca, you know, I, I've heard, of course, never experienced it, but with even with one baby, if the baby's real active and stuff, and it's just, it's uncomfortable for the mom, but when you have two babies having the rumble in the jungle, you know, it's tough. It was tough. So she went to God and she asked him, what's going on, Lord? What's going on here? And you know, you can go to God and ask Him anything. Right? Issues, big or small, He loves you through them all. And God explained what was going on. He said, hey, you got these two sons in your womb. And they are a nation, two nations. The sons in your womb will become two nations. Now, as I was studying this and I was looking at that, the sons in your womb. You know, to me, that's one of the most pro-life scriptures in the Bible. He didn't say, oh, the fetus in your womb. He didn't say the blob of tissue in your womb. He said the sons in your womb. They were children. They're children in the womb. And we need to remember that. In the womb, they're babies. And we have no right to kill them. Just, I'll say flat out. Now, of course, you know. As, you know, these, these young ladies that feel like they're pressured into this or they don't have any, you know, God's willing, ready, ready, willing, and able and wanting to forgive them. But we as a nation that allows this, that's really a stain upon us. It really is. So he goes on, he says, he says, from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your son, younger son. You see, conflict has been with us since the beginning, has it not? Cain and Abel, now here we have Esau and Jacob. It's just conflict. And you know what? Conflict will be with us until the end. And we've seen a lot of conflict over this past year, haven't we? We Not just what was recently, but we've seen what happened back way out up in Seattle and Portland and all this stuff and, and all this political conflict. And you know what? It's not going to go away. It's not. Why? Because we are sinful creatures. And as we, as a country, drift away from God... You know, that moral compass that keeps us centered looking to him goes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. I mean, just look at it. I'm going to read to you out of Galatians 5. We have the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're walking with God and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, listen. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. See, if we're walking with God, that's what the Holy Spirit produces in us. 
But if we're walking away from God, we're not walking with God. Listen to what the Bible says, and this is Romans 1, 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. So when you step away from God, when you pull away from God, that's what you get. And there's nothing political here, right? You can be as far from God and be on the left, or as far from God and be on the right, and the result is the same. The result is the same. And that's the danger of a nation drawing and drifting away from God. Because more of this stuff happens and we're seeing it happen. It's either one or the other. We're either walking with God or we're walking away from God. But here's the good news. God has put us here for such a time as this. We are to engage the culture with the love and the truth of Christ. We're to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our minds. And we're to love our neighbors as mm -hmm. ourselves. You know what? And we're not given a pass from these two commandments if others act poorly against us. And I, you know, and that's hard for me to understand sometimes. You know, I get, just like anybody else, I get spun up at times when I hear this stuff going on. You know, but God doesn't tell me, Jim, you got an excuse because things aren't going the way you like. You know, you've got to act in accordance with my word. And you've got to love the people. You know, we always are representing the Lord Jesus Christ by our actions, and by our words. And we're to honor Him through it all. We do this because there's souls out there to be one for Him. And He expects us to bring them in. But you know what? There may be rough weather ahead. You know, I, I was uh, shared with somebody in the Navy. We had this term. When it's, we have rough seas, and we have to change course, they would pass the word. They'd say, stand by for heavy rolls while coming about. You know, so we would turn and, and you get broadside to the sea, all of a sudden that ship is going back and forth like this and, and it's not very comfortable and you can tell who hasn't secured their stuff for sea because there's stuff flying all over. I remember one time they were cleaning up the mess decks, right? And we had, um, Somebody had, had, they were cleaning up, they took all the ketchup bottles 
off the tables and they put them on one table. And we went and turned and, and it went over like this and, and it reminded me of watching that movie 12 o'clock high when, when all the bombs were coming out of the airplane because all those ketchup bottles were just going boom, boom, you know, blowing up down there. But anyway, I digress with a sea story, sorry. Any, but, but you know, we can stand by for heavy roles all coming about. Our, our culture is changing, our nation is changing. And, um, but the one constant through it all is Jesus Christ. He's the rock in which we build our house upon. And we, regardless of what's going on, there are people out there like John who need to hear the word of Christ, who need to hear the hope, who are full of angst and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. So they act out in the only way they know how. But if they had that trust in knowing that Jesus was in control, that, they, that even if they don't understand, they can put their faith in him, then they, don't, they can have that peace that comes through him. Yeah, there may be rough weather ahead, but we know that God's got our back. And we can go forth in confidence. God has a plan and God has a purpose. And just like with Isaac and Rebekah and the two little wound gladiators that uh, Esau and Jacob, he's got a plan and a purpose for them. And you know what? We're going to learn more about that next week when you all come back. But until then, until then, we can go forth in the confidence in the victory of the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, that you do have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Father, we do thank you that we can go forth and not be anxious, but Father, in all things, give thanks. And Father, I pray that this week, as we go forth with your praise on our lips, and Father, your word in our hearts, that Father, you would do us the honor and the privilege of allowing us to share the hope that we have in you with someone who doesn't have that hope. Father, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.